0: One of the weird the weird worries that come with climate change that a lot of, even climate activists don't really realise it, is that it's definitely an indigenous people's issue. Um, you know, so many Pacific islands fought for independence and what happens if our islands go? Like, where do we go? Where do they go? Coming back to countries that try to colonise them, it's almost like recolonizing what we try to fight so hard not to get. And so that in itself is like a whole other level of of why we should be fighting against seabed mining and against climate change, Um, especially when it only benefits people who are rich and who are powerful and not um, everyday people like you and me or like so many other people in this country. It's about doing what's best for not just those in power but for
1: everyone else as well. Hmm. Ta for everyone, it's Shirley here. And you're listening to Letala Noa Therapy Podcast. Mangare2CM5 have launched their brand new honeys collection, which includes t-shirts in all colors and sizes. It also features a beautiful 18 karat gold plated hoop south side earrings, strictly for our Letalanoa listeners. Message them directly on Instagram with the code QS. Make sure you get in quick, my ladies. We're also proudly sponsored by Temp Clothing, that's T-E-M-P-T, which is run by our young people in South Auckland. Check out their latest celebrity t-shirts and custom Pacific inspired street fashion. Message them with the code QS to get 30% discount from any of their labels. We're also brought to you by Illis Customs, which is a Polynesian South Auckland based family business that creates graphic designs, handcrafted products and vector illustrations for your next event. Message them on illiscustoms.co.nz with the code QS to get 10% discount. It also includes free delivery nationwide. Today I'm so happy to be able to sit down and have a special Telanoir with this young, courageous, gifted poet and activist. You know, she is someone who is just so brave, so powerful and I'm just so amazed by her spirit, her strength and her determination for social justice and also for just fighting the good fight. And, you know, I'm so honoured to know that she's also Ainga. She might be young, but she's very intelligent and I love her passion and so much of her work has been shared all across the country. I'm just so proud of her. So without any further ado, let me introduce the one and only Ainga Ngale Whili, Hey Philly. so good to see you. Hi, how are you? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you joined. I was sitting and going, you know what? I think she's um she's gonna pull out today.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to see her. <laughs> oh, awesome. How's your day going? I've just been doing online work for AET. Um, they have a group of first year students who help out with year 13s and doing like the homework centers and that. So right now we're online and trying to get that stuff off the ground. So that's been real good.
1: That's amazing. Are you studying as well? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Look at you, little hustler. <laughs> you know, gotta, gotta get some stuff down during this lockdown because I swear it's made me more lazy. You know, I always believe timing is everything and I'm just so grateful that, you know, we finally got around to it, um, having this Telenor because I know you're so busy. And, you know, when, when you're in the media a lot, it can get quite overwhelming, especially when people approach you and you're you're not sure who they are. And I just think you're amazing. And it's one thing I admire about you is just your courage, how courageous you are.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh. I remember meeting you for the first time properly. I was at the 50th Polypanthers anniversary. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, when you're telling me about the mahi you're doing, I was like, this sounds so similar to like the type of stuff I love to do. So I was like, man, we should definitely hop on some stuff together. So I'm really glad we get to do this.
1: You kind of remind me of the younger version of me, but just so much more fire. <laughs> I'm thankful for you, for being you and just being out there. But there's so many things I really want to tell and know about. One thing that I really just want to break it down to is your journey.
0: Yeah, Honestly, I think it kind of ties in with the Talano we just had about names um, growing up my experiences things that I went through in my childhood I think I was very much I was a very shy kid Um, I would say I was like a wallflower I used to just like watch things and um, think about it in my head I wouldn't really speak out about it but a lot of the things that I was seeing was you know the inequalities that we see throughout our lives even at a young age like for a small example like my name um, having it butchered so many times having it. Um, disrespected having it marked like stuff like that was just things that all added up and made me think why is it that it's like this for our people Um, not just like that but when it comes to big issues like climate change and all these things and so it really does come from um, a very personal (laughs) a very personal space not only stuff that I've been through but I see around me what's happening with my loved ones in so many different spaces Um, it all builds up and makes you wonder why is it like this for us? And what's the solution? Um, tying into that, really, one of my first experiences hearing about climate change was a show for North um, down at Magde Arts and Oh my gosh,
1: and, my kids were actually in that show. Yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah.
1: I remember going to it. I had heard about it
0: and I was like, oh, this sounds cool. Because I had just started learning about climate change and how bad it was in the Pacific. And then there happened to be a show at Magde Arts and So I was like, man, I'm going to go. And I it the whole time. Like, I cried so hard. And it was kind of funny because I went by myself. Um, and I definitely think I, there wasn't many teenagers in the crowd, but I was just standing there, like, crying hard out. And I thought, oh, maybe these people are wondering, like, why is she crying? And I was, I was just thinking, like, damn, this is really an issue that we have to really talk about because it wasn't something that um, I was hearing my friends talk about at school. I was hearing us being taught about. Um, at school either so I was like man this is really up to us to use our voices because it affects us so badly and so stuff like that um, are like little parts of my story that definitely build up and encourage me still to this day I never really woke up and decided like oh I'm going to be an activist I'm going to do all this stuff it just almost <laughs> fell into place um, out of necessity and kind of feeling like if we don't speak up and if we don't use our voices then who's going to do it for us Um, That was the feelings I had for a lot of the things that I've done um, to do with advocacy. And at the same time, um, I was doing poetry, a lot of spoken word poetry, and I was finding my voice in the arts. And so with that, there came a point in time where I was like, okay, I'm writing about all of this stuff, but what am I doing? Um, How am I putting my actions to my words, and how am I actually going beyond just talking about it? And so that led to um, a lot of the actions that have happened since the first time I started poetry.
1: Yeah. Amazing. That is so good. Before we keep going, I just need to thank all our sponsors. Temp Clothing, that's T-E-M-P-T. Clothing are offering all listeners 30% discounts on any tissue, any amazing designs by our young people. Just mention the code QueenShirley slash Talanoa on their Facebook or Instagram We're also brought to you by Mangare 275. Make sure you guys check out their latest strip on Facebook and Instagram. All right, let's get back into it. I mean, I listen to your poetry and it's just so beautiful, like how you weave it in with the work that you do and and it's healing.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like poetry was really my safe space um, to just talk about things, like you say, that we don't really talk about in daily conversation. And I feel lucky because... Um, my poetry journey was supported by other amazing poets like Marina Alefosio, like um, Zachariah Sokai, the whole Sokai family, Grace Taylor, like all these great Pasifika poets um, were really helping facilitate a space where young Pasifika youth could come and learn about poetry and write their own poetry. And so when I was in that space, it made me feel really safe in sharing my work. Um, one of the first poems that I shared in a space that wasn't a poetry space was probably 275 Love Letters to Southside. Um, Yeah, that's a poem that I really, it really means so much to me because I can think about a really um, specific point in my high school journey where that poem was like the healing of all the thoughts that I had had. And I remember I wrote it when I was year 11 um, and I was so like in this headspace of, man, why does why does everyone look down on Southside? Like, why is it that when our school goes to, like, inter-school competitions, people always look at us weird or they always assume that we're not good at academic stuff? Um, Especially because at that time, like, I was doing spoken word comps and I was having people say stuff like, oh, I wouldn't expect, like, our data to be here at this stuff. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, what are you trying to say? And so that poem was, like, an outpouring of a lot of the experiences I was facing at the time and... Um, not only that, but the experiences I knew my friends were going through. And so in the poem, there's like lines like, um, everyone loves to point fingers, but no one has the time. No one can afford the time to ask why. And that line was really talking about how our Pacifica youth and our Southside schools are really looked down on and seen as lazy, seen as um, uneducated, seen as, you know, just having fights and hookers in the street, but not being good in the classroom. And all of these perceptions were not matching what I was seeing in real life. Because in real life, I was seeing my friends hustling, like they were working, looking after their siblings. They were out here getting the educations, doing the best that they could. But that wasn't what people were focusing on. It was always, um, you know what the media does, whenever something bad happens in Southside, they just amplify that so loudly and so much that no one talks about the good stuff. And so that was one of the biggest messages I had in that poem. Um, and it really put into perspective what I was going through at the time and what still goes on right now. Nothing about that has changed. And I know that a lot of other youth can relate to it um, when they see it and they see the iniquities as well.
1: Um speaking of that, I just want to say thank you though. Thank you for allowing me to, you know, have this Talanoa, even though it's not like it's not a formal interview or anything like that. Um you know I really wanted this to be really grassroot and, and real organic. I remember an article that you um I think you featured on and it was about, you know, being a young person, still new to it and then feeling exploited because others were getting paid and you felt like they were just using you just for your face, you know, being yeah. a brown face and that's all they needed. And then you said you something like you you pulled away from it for a bit because you, you know, you just needed a break. You know, well, how's it been? Like what's the journey been like for you so far?
0: I think Uh, Because my work has always been really grassroots, it's never really been um, something that was funded or something that was outside of the hood. It was always homely and based on the community. And so when I started going like around um, outside of my own circles and into all these places I wasn't used to, I think um, I was really cautious that I wasn't diluting what I was doing
2: Mm.
0: and that I wasn't trying to be, like you say, something that I'm not. Um, one of the things I always always said that I feel like the media never really wanted to focus on was that I wasn't supposed to be the sole voice and I wasn't supposed to be the face and I wasn't supposed to be um, sensationalized in the way that the media loves to sensationalize things um, and I always encouraged them you know there's so many other people who have these stories and who have so much to say and have so much value you guys should be looking for those stories as well not just you know calling up who you know and having that person be the one to talk all the time. Um, and so it came to a point where I was like, I don't want to be that because I know that I can't I can't talk about all the stories that we face because I haven't been through it. And so that was one of the main reasons why I pulled away. Um, and it was also weird because a lot of the things that I was talking about, they were not stuff that was meant to just be like a quick story. They came from really really, really deep um, and personal stories that a lot of people experienced over so many years, not just during 2020 and not just during that time. And so by coming back and pulling away, I feel like I did a lot of healing, not just going into um, spaces where it felt like I was talking to these people who were clapping and they were wiping their tears and they were saying, oh, you're so great. But at the same time, I knew they were part of the problem they were enabling systems that are affecting all of us in such bad ways and they couldn't see that. And so that really put me in such a weird headspace that I just had to pull myself out and take a step back and really look at my own intentions and look at the ways that my work is actually affecting people um, and putting it back to where it all started. Really and so yeah, there was a real risk of um it going down the path that I didn't want it to go down and um running the risk of being inauthentic and I was like nah man I don't want to be about that Mm -hmm. and so this year has been a really really good um while it's been a break it feels like a mental break even though I'm I'm choosing what to do work that I feel really invested in and it doesn't feel like you say it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like um a quick story and it doesn't feel like people are exploiting me because it's work that's what a lot of people that I love and a lot of careers and organizations that I respect and so yeah it's been really great
1: that's so good I totally I can totally relate you know I love that you know you staying true to what you believe in 10 years ago when I first came out with my first single a few people would come up to me and say hey you're the Samuel Nicki Minaj it was like they had a they had this image of me being something that they wanted me to be. So that's why I pull back from a lot of that stuff. Sis, let's tell Anore about this incredibly important seabed mining campaign that you're part of.
0: So our sea, seabed mining campaign, it's called Oceanic Voices. And so it's a campaign that's started by Greenpeace NZ. And the whole point of it is really trying to get our government to ban seabed mining in the Pacific. Because um, as we know, the Pacific Islands are at such a big risk of going underwater. And it feels even now, like I've been doing climate work for a long time, or feels like a long time for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> you but,
1: like you're, you got so much wisdom, but you do for someone so young. You, honestly,
0: no, <laughs> no. Nah, nah, I was just saying, like, even saying like there's a chance, a really big chance that our islands could be underwater. It feels like something out of like a dystopian movie, like out of out of a book. It doesn't feel real. And I think that that feeling of and not feeling real, but knowing that there's such big effects even now in the islands with all the freaking hurricanes, everything that's happening to our people back at home, um, knowing that seabed mining is really causing a lot of those problems, um, why wouldn't we want to stop it? Government and companies' answer to why wouldn't we want to stop it is always, you know, money. And that's just not worth our heritage. That's not worth our traditions. And that's not worth the lives of our people. And that's really the reason why we wanted to come together and start this campaign to get some more um, acknowledgement out into the community, to get our people knowing that climate change really affects us first. And it's our problem just as big. It's just as much our problem as it is everyone else's problem as well. And so in our collective, we have a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing Pacifica leaders um, who are doing such great work in their own fields. We have Brianna Furan, we have um, Dom Tupol, JP Faraki, we have um, Therese, we have so many, oh my gosh. And the great thing about it is that we have so many great diverse personalities that we're able to come and say these stories in a lot of different ways. And so right now we've started um, pushing for the petition. So this petition to go to government by the end of the year and ask them to ban it in New Zealand uh, will be such a great opportunity for our country to set the standard for other countries um you know new zealand is seen as a, a leader in the climate space on a world level and so if we stand up and start saying that this is wrong that we shouldn't do that i feel that other countries will look at that and try to follow suit as well hopefully that's the goal um but i know that so many pacific islands are really opposing seabed mining and that just speaks to the fact that our islands know what's happening, they know that it's such a big deal and that um, they already feel the bad effects of it. And so that's really the big message behind our campaign and what we're trying to do and push out here.
1: That's amazing. I love that. And, um, you know, I love how you shared it on your Instagram that, you know, one day you want to go back to the islands and, or you know, take your kids, your future kids to the islands. And, you know, what happens if, um, you know, there's nothing to show them? Or the mm. fact that, you know, you can't go because now houses have to be built at a certain level because of the rising of our oceans. You know, it's it's scary. Mm. It's such a scary thing to know. And um, I love how you think like that. You know, you're really, you're so optimistic about things. And it's beautiful that, you know, you're raising awareness in so many levels. Have you been back to the island?
0: I went when I was a baby, but I don't really remember um, in my mind. But I know in my heart I remember it. And mm. so it's exactly like you say, I want to experience it the same way that my parents experienced it when they grew up in the islands. Um, And I want my children to know that we don't just come from New Zealand. We have a homeland. We have a place where our ancestors bled and cried and fought for to protect. You know, Um, one of the weird, the weird worries that come with climate change that a lot of, even climate activists don't really realize it, is that it's definitely, indigenous peoples issue. Um you know so many Pacific Islands fought for independence and what happens if our islands go? Like where do we go? Where do they go? Coming back to countries that try to colonize them, it's almost like recolonizing what we try to fight so hard not to get. And so that it's in itself is like a whole nother level of, of why we should be fighting against seabed mining and against climate change. Um, especially when it only benefits people who are rich and who are powerful and not um, everyday people like you and me or like so many other people in this country. It's about
1: doing what's best for not just those in power but for everyone else as well. Um, You know, just, just on another level, you're just like... You're just everywhere. <laughs> you're like, you're here, they're everywhere, talking about everything on different levels. um But you're so right. And it reminds me of one of the um, three point platforms of the Polynesian Panthers. What sort of words of inspiration do you have for our next generation or anyone out there who might be struggling with um, identity? Mm. Yeah.
0: My first thing would be that I totally get it. It's so wild growing up in a society where you're almost made to feel ashamed. Mm. Um, I know that a lot of not just now, like way back when my parents were in school or when my parents first came to New Zealand, it was almost like Bussifika were made to feel like they should hide their culture because it was a big red flag that they were different. Mm. And so there was a lot of hurt in that and there was a lot of hurt that came down into the younger generations as well, you and me, and we'll continue to go to other generations if we don't break that chain ourselves. And it does start with us. Because I remember, like, being Pasifika, being from South Auckland, it was always seen as, like, oh, ratchet. Like, it was always seen as you don't want to be that, you want to get rid of that, you know? Mm-hmm. The mindset that you should want to get it out of the hood, you should want to almost get rid of your culture so you can get to a better place in life. Um, that was the, the type of messaging that subconsciously and really upfront was also taught to us in school. Um, In a lot of ways, like people, like you say, like people butchering names, like people making offhand comments about our people, like the media sharing all this stuff. And it does get to you as a young person. Um, It makes you feel like it's your fault, even though you don't get to choose the circumstances Mm -hmm. you're born into. And so my first message was like, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, These people who are trying to tell you that you should be ashamed only think that because they don't know the beauty of our culture and they didn't know how hard we've been fought for. Um, One of the biggest things that helped me in my cultural identity was learning about the stories of our ancestors. Um, That's what led me to learn about the Polynesian Panthers in the first place. And so even in school, the Polynesian Panthers weren't taught to us. Um, These are things that we had to go and look for ourselves. And now we're at a great place where, you know, people know more about our history. People know more about who we are as a people and so now we can look to those stories for strength, especially when we feel like um, we're alone in spaces where people are trying to make us feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest blessings is knowing that we're never really alone when we have our ancestors backing us. And that's one of the things that keep me um, that keep me really grateful and keep me really proud as well, knowing that it's not just people who are alive, but people who have passed that were reading for you and are still waiting for you. and so when it comes to our youth and having to unlearn that shame, um, it may feel hard at first, it may feel uneasy, it may feel awkward, but that doesn't last, and it won't last forever. It will only be a very short period of time, and then after that, you'll feel all the blessings that come from knowing who you are as Pasifika, or even if you're not Pasifika, just learning about your own culture you know, that helps everyone in knowing who they are as a person. And for me, it really helped me know like why I was born really, like what was my purpose and why did I want to do the things that I've done? Um, and what do I want to do in the future? And so, yeah, it helps in so many ways. And self education is important. It's not boring, man. It's not boring. You look at the stories, some of them are crack up you hear the stories of our elders, you hear them talk about it and it's just like, man, you relate, and you don't feel alone. You don't feel like it's weird or what you're going through is um, is something that's only applying to you. You feel the connection through our community and through these shared experiences. um, And it makes you want to talk about yours. It makes you feel less ashamed. And so that's a very beautiful feeling that I think all of our youth deserve to feel. And I hope that they do, yeah.
1: Wow that was so incredible like you just have so much wisdom for someone so young like do you have any support around you that comes and prepares you for media and things because I know how nerve wracking it can be like who Mm. takes you to these interviews and things like that like for myself (laughs) I struggle like sometimes for myself I still struggle going to the media when they ring me up they go hey Shirley can you come on and talk about and I'm like I don't even, I'm not even ready for this. Um, I didn't do my nails. I didn't do my hair properly. You know, all these little problems that us girls have. But, like, like I see you, you're up there. You're just so ready. You're so camera ready.
0: Thank you for that. Because, honestly, when I go, I don't feel like that at all. I don't feel ready at all. <laughs> I'm just those ones that are random ones that just go with it. But, yeah, nah, I'm really lucky that I have a lot of support around me. Um it was so funny. I remember the first time I ever did a radio interview, um, my dad was speeding through Mannix and he ran, <laughs> this was so bad, he ran a red light because he was like, you're going to be late, you're going to be late. And we had like police cars chasing us and I was like, dad, dad, it's okay. Like, it's just funny memories like that that I think about once you brought it up. And so, yeah, um, especially last year, it was all just a blur. Like, um, my friends were really supportive. My family were really supportive. And I guess a lot of that readiness that I think you see just came from um, a place of almost feeling, again, like if we don't speak about it, who's going to speak about it? And so that's really nice to hear because at the time I did not feel ready at all. I was just felt like this little bot, 17-year-old who was just botting it by going to these things.
1: But um, it's good that it doesn't come off like that, hopefully. <laughs> No, yeah. it definitely doesn't. You know, you look so camera ready. And I think I think another thing too, when you're really focused and determined about what you're there to do, all the other stuff doesn't matter. It all disappears. But I always like admire that about you whenever I see you on a radio interview or what, you just keep it real. But you always like, just always ready. My first radio interview was at New FM about 13 years ago. Or maybe, was it? I can't even remember. Um, and I was so nervous I remember sweating up hard out. I was so I was sweating hard out and I go in there and I was just like shaking. After that, I went home crying and I told my um my kids' dad, I said, I'm never gonna do this ever again. I just want to do my music and just put it out there, and that's me, you know.
0: I'm the same. Like when I like I said, when I was little, I was really shy. And for me in my head, it always felt like I was trying to put just the copper out there. I just wanted it to be just about the work. I didn't want any of it to be about me. But then when it started, (laughs) um, it got harder to make that separate. But yeah, I still get really nervous when I speak. Um, But once again, the beauty of our cultural identity, since I was doing Spoken Word and I was um, surrounded by so many great Fika storytellers, I really learned how storytelling is in our blood. Mm -hmm. Like all storytelling, how um, we don't have any language because we could easily remember things we could. Um, one of one of my favorite ways that I've ever heard um, someone describe it was the girls which was like an amazing Maori poetry collective. They have a line where they say, um, speaking patterns into the air, where they talk about like our storytelling. And I was like, man, like that's exactly how it feels when you hear our elders speak. And when you look back into our history and you hear all these great stories. And so in those moments where I feel really nervous, I try to remind my myself that it's um, not about me. <laughs> I try mm. to be like, hey, it's not about you. Don't make it about you. Um, remember who you're doing it for. And so luckily that's been something that's um, kept me motivated and kept me less nervous when I speak in those spaces. Mm. Um, when I was younger, I was, bro, I was hearty as I was those ones like, I don't care what other people have to say. Like, this is for our community. Um, <laughs> I don't care what you say about me. Like, this is for the people I'm loyal to. Like, I'm trying to hold it down. And so I tried to um channel the younger hearty me that was like just black out and didn't even care about that.
1: Mm. So
0: yeah,
1: I love that. I love that a lot, like straight up, it's it just makes sense. And um, you know it's crazy because I feel that like you know, over the years, you kind of just get used to it. Eh? it becomes just something natural, even though the nerves will always be there, but I love that you've got something that you can channel your mind to and knowing that you know you can go to that safe place for myself it's always my great-grandmother I always think of her you know how Mm. brave she was and also um, being forced as a kid to do lokamiki, you know all that Mm. stuff it's really helped (laughs) I look like
0: we're not even allowed to be shy
1: I think it all prepared us for this because we don't really know why like sometimes when you're a young person you don't know what you're going to do and then Mm. then one day the Lord just puts you in the path where this is where you're supposed to be your purpose and and you kind of just You'll, you'll know when it just naturally happens. And I, I think you found your place in this world. You're out there using your gift as a young person. I mean, imagine what you'll be like in 10 years' time. You know, there's always going to be someone like hating on the side, but that's what drives us even more. Jump on Facebook sometimes. You know, there's always going to be a hater no matter what we do.
0: Yeah, there was one um, back when I was talking about our sea workers and the parallels between that and the donorates around the time of the apology, that really got out of hand because people just took one part and they blew it up. And so I had posted, like, stuff in my story and it was, like, I was talking about it in sequence and someone just took the first part and was, like, twisting it to make it seem like I was um, being disrespectful of the work of the Polynesian Panthers and oh. of um the work that our elders had done to get to that point. And I was kind of just like, what? Like, that's not what I said at all. Like, why would you try to twist my words? And people were just like um, buying into it because the person had deleted all the comments of people who were just like, that's not even what she said. Like people were saying like, wait a minute, like I saw her post. That wasn't the point at all. Like those comments were all being deleted. And I was just like, oh, this person obviously like just doesn't like me. (laughs) So I was like, maybe it's not even about like the issue. It's just the issue with me. And so I think that was this year. And so I've, gotten hate before, I've gotten hate from like balangis who are racist from people who don't believe in climate change, but all of those times it was like nah, I don't really care about it because I'm doing it for the community but when you have um, backlash from the community that you're from it it hits differently like Mm -hmm. for me I was like damn like is this really how people are reading like what I'm saying Um, or and I was kind of just taking a time to reflect and I made an apology, I was just like, I'm so sorry if this hurt anyone who was involved with the making of the apology or the people who worked towards it. Um, That was not at all my intention. Because I feel like self-accountability is a big part of being a part of the community, you know? you got to be held accountable by the people around you. So at that front, I was like, man, I really looked at what I was doing and how to be more careful (laughs) when it comes to stuff like that. But yeah, that was something that really just like threw me for a while. But it was also a massive learning curve because it was bound to happen. It was mm. bound to happen sometime. Yeah. Um. But at the end of the day, I, I said I'd rather be held accountable by the people around me than by those who don't know anything about mm. me or for, by those who aren't even from the community or experience the things that I'm talking about. So mm. it was a blessing in disguise now that I look back at it. Yeah.
1: That's so good that you're able to like learn from it. I, and most of the most of the things that we do experience like that is a learning thing. And it's great that you recognize that and you're able to um, you know, to move on from it. Cause that's one thing that um has really affected me in the past, especially being an artist, you know, is the haters like you know, you put so much effort into your music video, mm. into so much of your writing, and then just to have a hater put up go, oh that was think, oh that video sucked, you know, mm. and, and it just breaks you. So um, and that's one thing I, I love about you is that, you know, you're very grounded and, you know, and I just encourage you just remember your purpose and why you're doing it. And I think that's as long as you know that you're going to go far with all this and you will succeed in whatever your your mission is, you know, mission impossible <laughs> 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 because you've made it into a possible thing. And that's what's beautiful. And it's making a huge um, change out there. Our
0: people need spaces like these. You know, not just topics that are um, meant for short entertainment, but things to really think about. And so it's so great that you're doing this. this. It's really valuable. And I really value this time we got to, because it's just like we got to talk, because just like you said, it's really rare to be able to speak openly um, to someone who understands as well. And I have shared experiences with not just a reporter I just met on the day, and I don't even (laughs) know what they're going to do with the story type thing. Yeah,
1: it was really great. Fili is such a remarkable, bright, gifted young woman. I really loved that Talano so much. You know, you guys don't forget to sign her petition and help shut down any seabed mining here in Aotearoa and all across the Pacific. Let's get behind Oceanic Voices and share their links. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. I'm going to leave you with a track called Sisters in Zion. Featuring the beautiful Brenda Poor from Sisters Underground. Peace and power to the people.
2: We are beloved spirit daughters of God. In our lives have meaning, purpose, direction. We are shiny goddesses, symbol of real love, true followers of Christ. Seen from above, dedicated, humble, meek, pure and high. No man, but only fear of God with spiritual strength that's keeping us strong, holding on tight to that iron rod. But sometimes things can get real tough, end up making choices that seem so wrong. Our soul's sincere desires to get back up is prayer, our vital breath, our native air. Even though it seems as if no one cares with humility we enter heaven he hears our cries deep inside repent and persevere through the atonement of christ he is sincere gracious and loving and wants us to bear our testimonies of him that's why i gotta share for us, from God who desires most of all, for us, from God who desires most of all. Uh Sisters, you are one of a kind, seek his guidance.